This is the Free Flow Podcast, a media production of Free Flow Institute. I'm Chandra Brown, founder and director of Free Flow Institute, and this winter season, we are offering an eight-part series of mini-episodes called the Cold Weather Craft Series. Eight tiny doses of inspiration to stoke your creative fire and help you engage or re-engage with your practice. The series features some of our favorite instructors and collaborators, and each episode serves up a little bit of direction, focus, or encouragement. We invite you to digest these nuggets, to soak them up, share them with friends whose creative spirits might need a little love, and to be reminded of how good it feels to observe and write and create. Thank you for listening and for being a part of the Free Flow community. And now, please enjoy the Cold Weather Craft Series. Hi, thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Joe Wilkins. Joe is on the faculty at Eastern Oregon University's Low Residency MFA program, and he's taught at a number of festivals and workshops, including the Breadloaf Environmental Writers Workshop, Fish Trap, Ketchumac Bay Writers Conference, and Orion in the Wilderness. Joe lives in Western Oregon, where he directs the creative writing program at Linfield University. Here, Joe offers up a streamside meditation on the layers of landscape in writing and uses a poem by Michael McGriff to illustrate the demarcation or identification of these various layers, and we'll link to that poem in our show notes. Joe posits that any given landscape is a mosaic of layered and nuanced complexity of interconnected systems. To orient you to this concept, I'll list in order the layers that Joe discusses. To start, there's the embodied or physical landscape, then the mythological or storied landscape, then cultural, historical, and political layers, the ecological landscape, and then finally, and always, the metaphorical. We hope you enjoy this discussion as much as we did. And now, here's Joe Wilkins. That's the sound of the North Fork of the Middle Fork of the Willamette River, a lovely clear stream that cuts down from its headwaters in the highest cascades and joins the middle fork of the Willamette near Westfer, Oregon. Waldo Lake, the headwaters, might be one of the purest lakes in the world. And the river before me right now runs this February swift and hard and gin clear, dug fir and western red cedar rising from the rocky slopes. I'm here with my 12-year-old son on a weekend fishing trip. He's new to fly fishing, but in the way of these things, has caught more rainbows than I have then watched as they finned back into the stream. We're yet learning this river and canyon. We discovered it last summer, and in the way of certain new places and new people, we didn't yet know, but knew we were head over heels in love. And how do we know place? How do we know it as human beings? How do we know it as writers? There's first and foremost our sensory experience of a place, the feel of it beneath our feet, smell of it as the wind shifts, what tastes that wind brings to our tongue. First, and perhaps most deeply, we know place with our bodies. It is this way in life and in writing, with language, with clear, active description and sensory details. 
we attempt in all weathers and seasons and slants of light to embody the places we love on the page. The first layer of landscape is the embodied landscape. But of course, there's always more. And so I'm going to share with you now a poem by Michael McGriff, a list poem that I think will help us dig more deeply into the layers of landscape. This is a poem called Coos Bay from McGriff's first book, Dismantling the Hills. Coos Bay, the world's largest lumber port, the yellow hulk of cats winding bayfront shipyards, betting on high school football at the Elks Lodge, bargemen, abandoned army barracks, Japanese glass floats, cranberry bogs, mooring lines, salmon row, swing shifts, green chain, millwrights passing each other like black paper cranes from one impermanence to the next, phosphorescent bay water, two tons of oyster shells, seagulls, beach glass tumbled smooth in the surf, way stations, off-bearing, front-loading cargo nets, longshoremen scabs, the Indian casino marquee promising continental breakfast, star-crowned animals stitched to blue heavens behind the fog. Log booms, choker setters, jippo outfits, acetylene sparks falling from the Coast Guard cutter Citrus, dredging units, gravel quarries, clear cuts, scotch broom taking over the dunes, smokestacks pocked with peep shows of flame and soot, the year-round nativity scene in one-armed Santa in J.C. Penney's alley window, my grandmother dying just over the ridge, mother of pearl, sea lion calls in the dark, low tide at Charleston Harbor, the sound of cork boots in gravel parking lots, salmon sheen hosed onto the street, the arch of a big rig's empty trailer, sand in all the moving parts, floodlights, tie-downs, ridge beacons, great blue herons whispering through the hollow reeds, the cat-piss smell of a charred meth lab between the VFW Hall and Pioneer Newspaper Museum, the rusted scrapyard and tank farms, the drawbridge, spans forgotten coal bunkers, buried fingerprints of Chinese laborers, rope riders and mule bones. Then there's the rain that never sleeps. It's fallen for 17 years to reach the field below our house where my father and the machinist neighbor, dying of cancer, huddle around an oil drum burn barrel and smoke cigarettes. A few weeks of newspapers and wood scrap hiss into ash, trapped angels under the wire grates they warm their hands over. The great heave of the southern Pacific, sturgeon like river cogs, barnacle wreckage, cattle guards, the last of the daylight, a broken trellis falling into the bay. Now there's embodied landscape all over McGriff's poem, but I want to focus on some other layers. Note that very first line in McGriff's poem, Coos Bay, the world's largest lumber port. That's a story about Coos Bay, maybe not a story that it's as true as it once was, but it's still the story the town boosters are telling. It's a myth, which is merely a story that tells us who we are, and myths rise up from the landscape itself. They are, in fact, the storied landscape, and in times of need, like the landscape, they're beneath us, to hold us when nothing else will. And of course, myths do so for good and for ill, depending on the story that's being told. Here in McGriff's poem, beyond that first line, I think about that rain that's fallen for 17 years, that's never slept. That's a story a lot of us here in Oregon tell in the middle of February. After the embodied and mythological landscapes, we get to the historical, cultural, political landscape. Momentous and terrible things have occurred in every place. And place is dynamic. Its meaning shifts across time, across histories, across the histories of different peoples. This very place, no matter which one, has profoundly affected others in similar and dissimilar ways. As writers and as human beings, we would do well to be aware of the many historical, cultural, and political understandings of a given place. Again, McGriff attends to this layer as well. 
I think about the Pioneer Newspaper Museum and the VFW Hall, and right between them, of course, we have a charred meth lab. We get the buried fingerprints of Chinese laborers here. McGriff is very aware of the history of this changing social and cultural milieu of Coos Bay. So embodied, mythological, historical, cultural, political, and now we turn to the ecological landscape, the way all things in a place are connected, the natural and the built, the sustaining and the degrading, and we too, though our culture doesn't like to admit it, are bound up in these ecological relationships. McGriff speaks primarily to the ways these ecological relationships are strained and frayed in Coos Bay. We see that scotch broom, the salmon sheen. We see the clear cuts. We see his father's friend dying of cancer, a cancer likely brought on by exposure to all kinds of chemicals in the work he's done. And after the ecological, we come finally to the metaphorical. The landscape is itself and more, always. Mind the possible meanings of landscape. Think about the associations. What does the landscape tell us about ourselves, about one another, about the possibilities or fates we might face tomorrow? I think especially of the last line in McGriff's poem, right? That broken trellis falling into the bay, something that was to connect two things, no longer does. Perfect metaphor for the rest of the poem as well as Coos Bay, at least in McGriff's eyes. My son and I are coming to know the North Fork or the Middle Fork together. We know it with our bodies, moving up the river this bright, cold day. But we must reach deeper, too. How did these trees get so big with no one logging them? My son asked earlier. Were there ever salmon in this river? How is the water so clear? Who built that wooden bridge at West Fir? I don't know the answers, but to truly know this place, I'll try to find them. To write it, and write it well, I must. Thank you to Joe Wilkins for offering this week's Cold Weather Craft Series exercise. If this brought anything up for you or ignited something, please do get in touch. As always, we'd love to hear your reactions, read your writing, and receive your feedback. FreeFlow Institute is offering a number of scholarships for our 2022 field courses, and the application window for scholarships is open right now. You can learn more about our scholarships and all of our upcoming workshops and listen to more of the podcast at freeflowinstitute.com. Our good friend Chris Latre will be here with us next Wednesday for the penultimate installment of the Cold Weather Craft series. And in case you're considering the idea of a field course with FreeFlow this year and need a little encouragement, here's a clip from the Gates of Lador workshop on the Green River last summer. Our first prompt was to write these glimmers, which are supposed to be sort of fully physical bits of writing. So you, you describe a moment that sticks out to you that you can't get rid of, that's just sticking out to you, and you describe only the physical parts of it. And it has been so hard for me to do that, but I think it's really good exercise for me because that's what I struggle with. So. It's been really cool to hear other people's glimmers and the ways that they've done these prompts because it's, it's giving me new ideas. We've just announced two new field courses for 2022 with our friends Pam Houston and Heather Hansman. You can find all those details at freeflowinstitute.com. We are proud to say that the Free Flow podcast is supported by the Prop Foundation. Our podcast theme music is by Nate Hedgie and Wartime Blues. Stephanie Malterich produced this episode. I'm Chandra Brown.
Thank you for listening and for being a part of the Free Flow community. Until next time, get outside, do what feels good, and keep in touch.